What's your name, scumbag? Jesse Spector is... Ovechkin, Alex, is that his name? Harry Carey. Wayne Gretzky! Moses! No! No! Please, please, don't make a fuss. Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. You're right to me. Welcome to the John Graham Show. I'm Jesse Spector, filling in for John Graham, who is on assignment uh, working for TriSearch, a... Uh, a recruiting firm in Denver where he was named one of the top 40 under 40 award recipients in 2013 by the Denver Business Journal. Uh, nice to see that, you know, the, the old four cup winner, former Bruin, uh, making his way in the post-hockey life, but we are in the hockey life right now, and uh, we are here uh, speaking of the Bruins with Marissa Jemmy from the Boston Herald. Marissa, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm okay. Have you ever been on a on a number under number list? Um, no, no. Uh, writers don't get that all the time. Yeah, me neither. Um, so, but uh, <laughs> we should make our own. Uh, yeah, hundred under a hundred. You up for that? Under a hundred. Wow, that's a wide range. Well, I'm, I I'd like to get into a list that I can at least be included on. <laughs> um, as, as I'm I'm running out of time to make any of those sort of. Uh, sort of deals um but but you are not this is now your second season um doing the Bruins I I have that right don't I last last year was your first year wasn't it covering the yeah Bruins? that's correct yeah I've, time kind of runs together and like I I know that you were on this show last season and that when we talked you were just getting into I'm my brain doesn't work anyway second season of Bruins, <laughs> uh, Bruins coverage for you um, and and they they look darn good. Um, are are they as good as they look? I guess is is the question. I you know seventy I mean, points leading you know, leading the where, They've had games where they haven't played their best and they've won, and they've had games where they look great and they don't win. So kind of a conundrum in that way. But they have the talent. They have pretty much the same team as last year, and now the experience level. Um, the schedule has gotten tougher. It's gotten deeper into the season. They've been challenged a little bit more, but that's not a bad thing. Um, a lot like last year, they've responded well to adversity. So, yeah, I think they're pretty good. They're one of the best top three teams in the East, at least, as of right now, at least. And wants to play off here, all bets are off. Yeah, and I think that um, that's going to be interesting to see exactly where they land come playoff time because, you know, as it would set up right now, they're they're leading the division, um, which would put them in position to play a wild card team, which at this if we're doing the if the season ended today we're recording this on Tuesday by the weekend it could all change so right now it would be Columbus but you know Toronto's in that wild card mix would the Bruins want and this is something we actually talked on the show last week with Jeff Fayette from Toronto um, and from the Leafs perspective on this would the Bruins want to see the Leafs again or or would they like a fresher matchup in, in that first round and maybe you know avoid it being like you know Tough, tough to beat a team three straight years in the playoffs. It's kind of cliche, but I don't think they really care who they're playing because when the Bruins are on their game and they're at their best and they're worrying about themselves, they can probably be pretty much anyone. Even a team like the Capitals, they historically has so many problems with. They played a good game and they end up winning 7-3. to three. And then there are teams like the Red Wings they play down to. So it really is up to their game. So I don't think it matters a whole lot uh, other than their familiarity in the division and even – 
both teams are a little bit different than uh, in the playoffs last year, new coach for Toronto and all that too. So it's, uh, I mean, more than anything, it's an amusing narrative, but I don't think it really matters too much um, other than the fact that I think the Bruins are, the gap between the Bruins and Toronto is bigger this year than I think it was last year. Yeah, I think that would be a, a fair thing to say. The Bruins have played better. The the Leafs have taken a step back, and that that Leafs defense, I would be, uh, I'd be chomping at the bit to actually face those guys in the playoffs. Uh, the way the struggles that they've had, and and you know, keeping the puck out of it. And Freddie Anderson hasn't had a great year himself, uh, as opposed to the Bruins, who you know, in goal, that's been uh, about as rock solid as it gets. Yeah, I mean, Tugarask injured now, too, and supposedly back as the Bruins' bye week comes uh, closer to an end. Um, assuming he's back from injured reserve, that's great, yeah. because Halak had to play in five games in a row, and I thought he got a little bit exposed there, but um, before that, he was playing really well. So with Rask is healthy and the regular goaltending tandem and rotation is there, I mean, yeah, that's one of the biggest strengths they have. Is there, I mean, you, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but as far as Tugarask goes, is there maybe some benefit to him missing some time, you know, in the middle of the season? He's, he's only played 28 games so far this year. Um, you know, for him to go in the into the playoffs, having played closer to 50 games than 60 games, you know, especially coming off a year last year where he went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, could that be a benefit for him? I mean, they were on a pretty strict rotation anyway, so I think they were really doing a good job uh, managing his games, and mm-hmm. they had a certain number they wanted to reach. So it was essentially not – it was every other game at the start of the year for a while, and then it's just like last year it was pulling away to Rask playing maybe two out of three, maybe not as much as that, but maybe twice every five times. Uh, or Sorry, three times every five times, and Halak twice in that rotation. So they were starting to have Rask pull away a bit, but I think – they were going to continue having a pretty strict goalie rotation. So, I I mean, him getting a concussion, there's really no benefit to that. But yeah. a little bit of time off around the All-Star break isn't the end of the world. Like, the timing uh, could have been a lot worse. And I, I think, if anything, it'll be good for Halak to have gotten this break, too. So if he does have to come back and have a higher workload now, if they want to be really careful, he's had a little bit of a chance to um, reassess. And on the other end of the ice, uh, I, I think the story of the year is David Pasternak, who's at 37 goals, leading the league, one away from his career high in goals already uh, this season. So he's he's poised to blow by that. Um, where where do you think he would fit in? And is there a legitimate consideration for him to be MVP? He's in a conversation for sure. You look at McDavid and McKinnon and what they're doing. And it's tough to really argue against that. And then I feel like Eichel was in the race for a bit, but Buffalo has just fallen off so much. That might, might not be true anymore. I've heard arguments be made for Connor, uh, Connor Hellebuck um, in Winnipeg, but even he's dropped off a little bit. So, yeah, I think there's room in the conversation for Pasternak. In the uh, PHWA midseason award voting, I put him number three in the hard conversation for right now. And I think that's a fair point to put him in. You have to consider Ovechkin, too, in the year he's having. There's mm. so many guys. Big name guys having big years too. So I'd pass your in the conversation, but um, it's a tough year to make a run at that award. He's still 23 and, and has gotten better every single year that he's been in the league. Um, you know, the, the goal and point totals have gone up every single season. 
is the ceiling in sight for him, or is there still more that he can improve on? I feel like we're just watching him getting better all the time. So I don't want to say, yeah, this is his ceiling. Cause I thought last year, what like that was the best we we've seen David Pasternak is who he is. But again, he's only 23 and he has five and a half years of experience now. So he's learning and getting better. And there's no reason to believe the sky isn't the limit for him. We're we're literally watching a superstar developing and. And he's only 23. He's going to be around for a while. Yeah. And as you approach the trade deadline, the Bruins are, you know, capped out. But that doesn't mean that you can't make a trade. It just means that you have to, you know, delete from your cap if you're going to do it. Is that something that you think is in their future? Or is there just kind of a, a sense of, like, this is what we've got, and this is an awesome team. It's the, the core of a team that went to the cup final last year. Uh, why not just stick with what you got? I think they'd love to add another winger. Um, that kind of has been their problem, it feels like, for years now. Uh, Coleman being back the way York has played has definitely eased that concern. But if they can go out and make a move, I mean, Kyle Palmieri is a guy I like, as difficult as that would be, or Chris Kreider, and I know a few other teams would be in it on that conversation, too. And then Tyler Toffoli seems like he's been connected for years now. Um, if they can get one of those guys and work the cap out a little bit, I think that would be to their benefit. But and I'd be they usually do make some sort of a move, so I'd be stunned if they just stand completely past. But uh, I, I like the group they have. I like the ceiling they have. But we just haven't seen them hit that ceiling. Coleman was out. I think they were hoping they would see if he can fill in that spot in October, and then he gets hurt. So now fast forward to January, and we still have no idea, like, what is he going to contribute? I think Bjork's been kind of up and down, but he, he's playing a more consistent game, and the goals will come. I think they believe that his scoring is already getting better. He's done a better job of little things like just hitting the net and not being in danger, and they're comfortable moving into the right side now. So I think those things, if, if they want to go that route of the wishful thinking, hope one of those guys just really goes on a roll, it's a bit riskier, but I think that they're in a better position to do that this year than they were last year. They're also in a position where this team is I mean, set, not not just for this year, but for next year and years to come with with the core really in place um what is the mood there just with the organization of of where they've set themselves up as far as what their expectations are i I would think that their expectation this year is to not just get back to the final but to win it but i mean are they thinking you know that beyond this year this is a a real you know this this is what they've got and and they're happy with it i think so but i think the next five years or so, we're going to see more changes to the overall core than we have in the past maybe 10 years, because mm-hmm. at some point, Char is going to retire. Um, Krejci and Bergeron will have free agency at some point. Um, just Tory proved the free agent at the end of this year. What does that look like? So even McAvoy and Carlo, after two more years, they will hit the free agency market again. Uh, the Brusk is an RFA this year, and they should keep him, and I don't think he's going to cost a ton, but like the main core of the team, we're going to, I mean, Tuka Raff, what after his contract runs out after the end of next year, what does he want to do from there? Like, he hasn't talked about extensively who coming back after that. We have no idea the future for some of these guys. So I think they are building for the future. They have some good prospects. They have some guys up and coming that we won't see for a while, like Beecher. They have Roman Beitschoff in Russia, who I think they like him. Uh, they have the kid from Finland they dropped in the second round. He's only 18. Uh, some guys in college like John Beecher and Curtis Hall. Uh, Samika, obviously, in the minors. They'd love if Phoenician would get everything together. So they have the pieces there to kind of slot in. And then, of course, Bjork, Coleman, 
uh, some young defensemen. Those guys are really the future of the team, too. So I think they're preparing and looking ahead. But, yeah, I think, I mean, this year and maybe next year, it's not really something to worry about. But long-term, or mid-term, I guess, because it's not exactly long-term, but it's not totally short-term either. Like, there are going to be some changes, and it's going to look different and unfamiliar yeah. compared to how it's been for almost the last 10 years. How have they managed to set this up? And I guess that's that's kind of where I was going with this, that the Bruins do seem to be avoiding that, that pitfall of Chicago, San Jose, L.A., uh, these teams that, that got themselves into a real cap crunch and wound up, you know, I don't think that, you know, certainly in, in the case of Chicago and L.A., maybe San Jose might, if, if they could do it over again, they might do things differently. They did get to one final Um but to avoid you know, going into this this dark tunnel where you never know how or when you're going to get out of it because you're just so locked into all of these aging players. I think it's two things. I think one, I think, first of all, give a lot of credit to John Sweeney. He's done two things really well. One, when there have been those bad contracts like Bolesky and now Bacchus, you're not out of the woods yet. But when there have been those bad contracts, they've been able to get away with it either by dumping cap space or just getting creative with it. They've been able to get away with this type of thing. A back of the contract on a team like on another team in the cap situation the Bruins are in, they might not get through it. And the Bruins have. So a lot of credit there that they've been able to kind of get away with some stuff. And the second thing is they've done a really good job just like finding talent. And that starts with drafting. They've drafted very well under Sweeney after the 2015 uh, debacle, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, not taking um, – a myriad of guys, we've heard all of them, Kyle Connor, Matt Barzell, Thomas Shabbat, like, it's an extensive list. But after that, they've drafted tremendously well, and they've also found talent in other areas. To so go sign a guy like Carson Coleman, um, they have a, lo- a roster littered with, like, undrafted guys or guys who've just, like, been able to get and work out, like Chris Wagner, they signed. He's an unheralded guy for the most part. He comes in and has a career season. Charlie Coyle is thriving after being kind of subpar in Minnesota for a couple of years. Um, and even back further than uh, when Don Sweeney was GM, bringing in Tori Krug as an undrafted re- uh, free agent, Kevin Miller, guys like that, they've just done a very good job with their roster construction overall and just finding ways to make it work and not always going for that big signing. Because when they have, those mid-range, even like put John Moore in that conversation of like useful guys that they're overpaying a little bit, they've been able to get away with it, where some teams just absolutely cannot. So a lot of credit goes to the roster construction and it's only going to get more difficult as their star players start to either retire or lose. And just looking back to this season before we get to the break, how important is it for the Bruins to, and whether it's first in the East or President's Trophy or just winning the division, to to finish the regular season as strong as they can so that you, know, you can take a team that at this point has two regulation losses on home ice the whole year and have home ice in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, home ice matters, but it's not the end-all be-all we saw in Game 7 last year. So I think the most important thing for them in being in first place at the end of the year is just the overall morale of the team. If you're a team that goes first um, start of the year to the end of the year in first place, that's great. But if you start the year in first place and you're there all year and then at the end of the year you dip and now you're not all of a sudden, you're not feeling so great going into the playoffs. So for morale overall, I think that's the most important. But they've always competed fine on the road, too. They've done Even last year they won... Uh, game six in Columbus, they swept Carolina winning the two games there. They've mm-hmm. won in Toronto in game six facing elimination, won in St. Louis in game six facing elimination. So I, I don't think the home ice matters as much as just feeling good going into the postseason. 
All right, well, feel pretty good going into this break on this show right now. We will take a quick, quick break, and we will be right back with Mercy and Jemmy from the Boston Herald. You're listening to Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play, joined today by Marissa and Jemmy from the Boston Herald. And the thing that we've been doing the, the second half of the shows this season is uh, getting to know the guests a little bit better and uh, just start pretty basic. Uh, Marissa, how did you become a hockey person? Well, I was a sports person for a while. And it's funny, like my dad went to a Bruins game and I'd never really seen hockey. I was watching football that night and I knew nothing about hockey. So I was, and I was like 11. So I was like, I'm going to flip on the TV, see if I can see him in a crowd, which obviously you can't. <laughs> but as a newbie, I did not know that. And ended up seeing Blake Wheeler score a hat-trick against the Maple Leafs. And I was like, what is this? I love it. And I've watched almost every Bruins game since then, pretty much. That, uh, that works well. How did you come to, to want to write about hockey? I knew I wanted to be a sports writer since I was about 10 or 11 or so. Mm-hmm. And for a very long time, I wanted to be a baseball writer. Because baseball is like my first love of the sport. And then slowly hockey kind of took over. And then I got involved in writing about lacrosse. And there were so many connections that overlapped with hockey that it was easier to get into that. And then I just loved it. Like I've covered some baseball. I've covered some football. Lots of lacrosse, obviously. Lots of like random stuff like field hockey, water polo, you name it pretty much. And hockey is always the one I've wanted to go back to. It's where I enjoy myself the most. The environment, the people, it's wonderful. So um, pretty much every step of the way, I, I, it's reaffirmed that I want to do this, and I'm very fortunate to be able to do it now. Has your love of lacrosse helped you at all when you've crossed the border into Canada? <laughs> um, it's always interesting going to Canada, and then all of a sudden you see like ads and stuff for lacrosse. Like I was in Buffalo, which isn't even Canada, but mm-hmm. it's like Diet Canada, I guess. <laughs> and I saw someone with like a bumper sticker for a major series lacrosse team in Ontario, and I was like, no way! I didn't know anyone else knows the thing. So that's always kind of fun, just going places and seeing um, the regional sports interest. Which uh, which John Tavares is better? Oh man, <laughs> um, at lacrosse or at hockey? Yeah, I, I'm I'm asking <laughs> well, which if you if you had to pick one. <laughs> oh, not in the same sport. Yeah. Not oh, in... I think John Tavares, the lacrosse player. I mean, he's legendary. Uh, what he did for the Buffalo Bandits and continues to do as their coach. So. Um, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs version of John Tavares is pretty good, but not quite that um, legendary status as the Buffalo Bandits John Tavares quite yet. As you've done this, um, you know, and, and working for the Herald, what is different for you in year two than in year one? Um, I think just like knowing what to do now. Even like right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm in St. Louis after the All Star game, and it's like I knew places to go and stuff. Where last year, everywhere, other than like a couple cities, was completely new and trying to figure everything out. And who do I talk to? Where's the locker room? Where's the press box? How do I get into the arena? And this year, there's a comfort level of even if I go somewhere where I don't know that, I just know the whole process. And it's like little things, like knowing like Marriott points or like having TFP check now or just little things I didn't even think of going into year one. You're just thinking, oh, I'm going to write about hockey now, not any of the logistics of it. So it's like having things squared away and focusing on writing more has been tremendously helpful. Knowing uh, Boston the way it is, and, and like you said, you know, you grew up, baseball's your first love, and, and then hockey and lacrosse. Is it, is, is there any kind of 
awakening that I'm, I'm curious if you went through something similar to what I did to where you know there are some people who are just into hockey and don't care about any other sports and and you know, what your adjustment to that is is like or if you had to make that adjustment at all there are definitely some people who are just only want to hear about the Bruins and that's it which is helpful for me because a year like last year where the Patriots were in the Super Bowl and the Red Sox in the World Series how many people are reading about the Bruins but um, there, there is that contingent. I think hockey has that probably more than any other sport of people who just want hockey coverage, yeah. and they're just going to follow that no matter what. So uh, grateful for those people, obviously, because they keep it possible to keep writing about it in a market where uh, everything else can kind of be more overwhelming. Okay, well, the Patriots got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. The Red Sox are going to have a new manager and possibly trade uh, their best player and who knows what's going to happen with them after a season in which they didn't make the playoffs and now they're under investigation for sign stealing and everything that happened in 2018 the Celtics are good but maybe not at that title level is there a brighter spotlight in Boston now on the Bruins I know that you know I've, I've covered cup finals there I know what it's like in Boston when the Bruins are at that peak level but generally they are not the talk of the town throughout the throughout the year is is that shifting at all a little bit it's tough for me to tell because it is my entire life most of the time so mm -hmm. nothing changes for me regardless of other people are paying attention or not um the difference i see this year is because there's not patriots practice now like more people who aren't covering hockey every day but do when patriots even ends are around so there's more coverage overall so i don't know how much that translates to People paying attention, I mean, TD Garden sold out every night. People are watching the games every night no matter what. Um, there's more coverage for sure, but I don't know if there's any more of a buzz or not. I think if there's any buzz right now, it's just like, oh, my God, what happened with the Red Sox, uh, if anything. But um, as it gets closer to the playoffs, I would fully expect um, just it, the hype to always pick up. It always does no matter what. And after a cup run and then going to the postseason again this year, I'm sure it'll be electric. Was there any for you adjustment in, you know, covering the team that you grew up watching? And again, that's uh, you know something that, uh, and I I went through this myself. But like, uh, you're you're covering this team that that was you know your first experience with hockey and, and some of those guys and like Blake Wheeler's not on the Bruins anymore, but still around. Like, what has your experience been in in that regard of, you know? oh, yeah, I'm not, not a fan now. This is my job. I'm lucky in the sense that I started freelancing, covering them extremely early. So, like, it's been my second year of full-time, but it's my 10th year credentialed by the Bruins. So by the time I was full-time and it's all I'm doing, I already kind of knew the procedure and knew how to put that away. And you do get to a point where you care far more about hitting your deadline or an interesting narrative or making sure you have a good story than you do if they win or lose. Now it's if they win, great. Now I get to go more places and travel and do stuff, and that's awesome. But it's not like, oh, man, I hope they win or lose because I'm a fan and I support them at this point. Now it's just I, I want things to go well so that I can keep doing stuff. But, like, my job is to just tell everyone what happened, look deeper into the narrative, tell people things they don't know because they don't have access and just use that access for those fans. So that wasn't too difficult of a transition, and probably because I'm lucky I just was doing stuff so early. And I know some people who, like, either haven't made that transition in general in sports coverage or people who are able to just turn it off. And I was able to turn it off pretty quickly, and I'm pretty lucky for that, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely identify with the idea of I want this team to win so that I can keep going to cool places. That was uh, <laughs> pretty much exactly how I felt when I was covering the Rangers. Like, yeah, let's uh, let's keep this party rolling because I'm I'm having fun. I don't really care so much if you know if they win at this point, you know, for for winning's sake, but win for my sake because uh, I'm connected to this. But then you know, wound up uh, that year getting to go to Boston and uh, and cover that final against the Canucks anyway. So that was cool. Um, but is there is there stuff left that that you want to do coverage wise um, you know just as far as events and stuff or or is it just a matter of repeating it and getting better at it yeah I mean I'm fortunate that my first year was like winter classic all-star game award draft Stanley Cup final like it doesn't get much better than that like it was weird. I'm so spoiled now because All-Star Game's amazing and everything and, like, truly appreciated getting to come back to St. Louis and do that. But, like, during Winter Classic, I was just, like, all annoyed. I was like, well, why can't I go do that again because they're going to our it. So um, I definitely, like, don't want to take for granted how cool it is to do all that stuff. Uh, by the end of this year, there will only be two arenas I haven't seen yet, and that's Chicago and Nashville. So, obviously, those are at the top of the list. Seattle, when they come into play. Um, but, yeah, I always want to try to do it much as possible because even like all these events and stuff like all-star last year and this year were different um i'd love to do more women's hockey stuff than i do i'm already very lucky i get to do a lot of stuff like i'll most more than likely be the nfl cup the nwho all-star game is in boston this year i have i I wish i was able to go to the rivalry series when it was in hartford but i was in florida for the bruins so just stuff like that i would love the opportunity to i mean i guess the ultimate would be olympic hockey and I don't know, like, how possible that would ever be at any point, but, like, that would be the ultimate, I guess. But, um, yeah, always, I, I love the opportunity, whether it's going to an all-star game, a cup final, or, like, a regular two game in Columbus. Like, it's all really cool no matter what. How do you feel about the cannon? See, I have a complicated relationship with the cannon. <laughs> um, terrified to me as it does everyone else. I did a story about it last year before the uh, playoff series. It did really well, and uh, the cannon earned me some page views, so now we're on good terms. All right. Sounds uh, that sounds good. As as far as the NWHL goes, um, what do you think should happen with with the future of Ooh. of that league? I, I don't I, I can't ask you to predict what will happen because I don't think anybody really has a great idea. But if you could say what should happen, what would it be? It's a heavy question. I mean, it's complicated because in a perfect world, it's a women's hockey league that's supported and funded and players can play full-time and have all the same amenities as men's players, right? And, like, that's a perfect world. Um, Where that comes from, I don't know. Um, The NWHL has been demonized, right or wrong. Like, there are obviously a lot of things the NWHL can do better, and I think they've made a genuine effort for the most part. Um, But at some point, the the resources they have are the resources that they have. Of course, everyone, a, a lot of people would love the NHL to come and make a WNHL, and if they did it right, that would be tremendous. But the one thing that always leaves a sour taste to my mouth about that is they weren't interested in running a pro league before the NWHL came in. So if they just did something now, it really is off the the hard work that the women already put in and just stepping in and kind of claiming it. So if the NHL ever were to create a WNHL, and let's say they all did it the complete right way, I would love if they could have some of the leaders in women's hockey in the NWHL and otherwise to really run it and just trust them to do it on their own and just provide the funding, and that be it. So I think that would be the best-case scenario that would make the most people happy. 
obviously, no matter what ends up happening, there's going to be a few disgruntled people because no one can ever seem satisfied with anything in women's hockey. Um, but I, I think that would be an ideal, and I, I don't know if there's any realistic possibility of that. It's a, it's a tough thing, and I, I don't. Yeah, I like I said, I don't know that anybody knows what will happen, but yeah, you know, I think uh, I think you're on point there with uh, how it could, should, whatever it will, whatever it will be, will be. Um, yeah, um, and then if uh, if you had to pick one road city to get stuck in, what would it be? <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, that's such a great question because there are different ways I could go. I could say D.C. or Philly because I have friends there and I could just, like, hang out then and that would be fine because um, I'm in those places all the time anyways, it seems, or Buffalo for that matter, too. But um, I guess Vancouver is where I have probably one of my best times. Um, I could go, like, completely off the grid and say St. Louis since I just, like, hung out here for three extra days just because I could and... I don't know many other people who would do that, but I've had such a genuinely great time in St. Louis from the Cup Final till now. So, um, if I had to pick one city, I guess I'll go with Vancouver just because I want to explore it more. And uh, during the draft was great, and I feel like I, I I can see more of it than I did. So, um, long-winded way of saying Vancouver, I guess. All right, sounds good. Well, I hope that does not actually happen to you that you get stuck there, <laughs> but I hope that you get to take a vacation or cover a Cup Final there or something. Because that's always... Cup Finals is a good time. I'll be there in a month, and that'll be good enough. All right. Take that. Uh, Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it, though. Of course. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Marissa and Jemmy, everybody. You can read her in the Boston Herald. Uh, Find that at bostonherald.com, right? Yes? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. should be that and and certainly it is that marissa thank you so much for coming on the show uh hope that you'll come back another time and uh everybody out there who's listening hope that you'll come back next time too uh that's it for this week's show i'm jesse specter this has been jesse specter is on lightning power play and we'll see you next time